0: Hi, this is Stephen Cherry for IEEE Spectrum's podcast series, Fixing the Future. That's the first time you've heard me say that. Um, The most honest and inadvertently funny marketing message I ever saw was at a gas station that was closed for remodeling. It had been an Amaco station before that company was bought by BP. The sign said, Rebranding to serve you better. I'm afraid we're a bit guilty of that here at Spectrum. We've changed the name of this show to Fixing the Future, partly for marketing and searchability reasons, but it also signals our intention to focus more intently on ways that technology is being deployed to improve our lives, specifically in three, to be sure, overlapping areas, climate change, machine learning and other smart technologies, and the effects of automation on the nature of work and the future of jobs. I'm hard-pressed to imagine a more on-point guest to help me usher in this change than Miriam Svaiti. She's the CEO and co-founder of Synthetics, a startup that's reinventing the industrial processes by which we make nylon by replacing a thermal operation with an electrical one, and has both grown that business and pivoted toward other industrial processes as well. Miriam, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Miriam, seatbelts, climbing ropes, uh, dental floss are made of nylon, clothing, of course, but also luggage and automotive body parts. I had no idea how pervasive it is, nor how energy intensive and more to the point, carbon intensive its manufacturing is. Maybe we could start there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just like you said, nylon is Quite literally everywhere. Um, I think one of my my favorites too is is it in cable ties, which is just such a specific example um, that you can find everywhere in construction and medical devices. And but you know we design nylon specifically to essentially last forever, um, which is a problem in itself because that also leads to a lot of, of pollution. Um, and one of the main reasons why the fashion industry is is such a big polluter, but also its manufacturing takes a lot of energy to make. Just because it's such a stellar material, it takes a lot of steps and it takes a lot of energy to get the molecules to come together in that particular way. Uh, But that's essentially kind of one of the main reasons why nylon is one of the most energy-intensive fibers.
0: So your original idea was um, to replace the thermal heat part of the process with an electrical one. How does that lower the carbon footprint of the nylon?
1: One of the many steps in the development of nylon is also one of the most energy intensive and a pretty toxic uh, step as well, where you turn one molecule that we call AN or acrylonitrile into another one called ADN or deponitrile. And essentially, um, in that step, you can use heat and really high temperatures in order to make that molecule change. So not only are you using really high temperatures, you're also using pretty toxic chemicals like hydrogen cyanide. And we make about you know 3 million tons of that just in the US. And so another way that we can actually make that same molecule, rather than using heat and temperature to make that transformation happen, we can use electrons from electricity. And that's already a much more safe process just because you don't have to use high heat or high pressures in order to make it happen. Um, it's a lot more benign And it also replaces the use of more toxic chemicals like hydrogen cyanides by essentially making that transformation happen just purely using those electrons. Overall, it also uses less energy just to make that happen. Um, And putting all of that together, you can actually reduce um, the carbon footprint by at least 30%.
0: So it seems like such a big and straightforward idea. Why was it not done before synthetics?
1: So we are not making that process up. Um, This is something that was developed back in the 1950s uh, by Monsanto. And there is like one company that used an electrical version of that process. The issue is that it is not the most cost efficient. So the thermal one is a lot more cost effective than the electrical process, which means that most companies are going to actually use the thermal version just because the cost aspect is so much more important to those companies in the sustainability aspect. Um, and so what we did at Synthetics was we tried to include as much of innovative types of materials and processes in order to improve the efficiencies of that process and therefore improve its cost effectiveness. And so we've used a combination of things, but one of the central pieces of how we've been able to come to this better process was through a machine learning tool that essentially could predict where the highest performance might be based on a couple of different
0: factors. So, You reduce the amount of energy needed. Uh, I gather you've also cut the amount of raw material that goes into the process and the amount of waste that comes.
1: Yeah. So essentially, when you look at a process and we talk about kind of yield and efficiency, we're talking about how much of that raw material that we put in goes into becoming your product. Um, And so essentially, there's two things at play here, which is the first, how much of your raw material actually converts versus doesn't convert. And the second thing is how much of the converted raw material converts into the specific product that you're looking for versus byproducts, which can be waste. And so by fine tuning these little things using our machine learning algorithm, we were able to get more of that raw material converted into the product that we actually want. And so that means reducing the amount of byproducts, and that also means reducing the amount of waste because we're able to use more of that raw material to
0: go straight into that product. And the net result is your process is now more cost-effective overall.
1: I would say it's actually comparable to the previous thermal process. That one is still one of the most cost-effective that exists. It's more cost-effective than the electrical processes that have existed in the past. And particularly just because this market is more or less a duopoly. So there's really two big players there. It's enabling the fact that it's more cost-effective and, and benign and easier to handle. It enables more of the uh, downstream players to actually uh, start making that themselves rather than, than require other other suppliers to, to get that for them. So it's actually enabling companies to have a little bit more control over their supply. That being said, although you know it was... A really good process to work with. We ended up not pursuing that specific path for a couple different reasons.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to get to that. Uh, we'll be back to hear more about greener manufacturing, uh, moving from nylon, uh, and also her own remarkable personal story with my guest Miriam Subiti. Mm-hmm. Fixing the future is supported by Comsol, the makers of Comsol multiphysics simulation software. Companies like the Manufacturing Technology Center are revolutionizing the designs of additive manufactured parts by first building simulation apps from ComSol models, allowing them to share their analyses with different teams and explore new manufacturing opportunities with their own customers. Learn more about simulation apps and find this and other case studies at comsol.com slash blog slash apps. back with Miriam Sveti, co-founder of Synthetics, a startup that began by lowering the carbon footprint of nylon and has moved on to other industries.
1: You know, we used consoles. Um, it's a huge time saver.
0: <laughs> That's very cool. Miriam, Netflix started with DVDs, but they always wanted to be a company that delivered movies over the internet, hence the name. Your company's name is a take on the word synthetics that adds the word sun to it. Your goal was always to make the industrial process even greener by getting the electricity directly from solar or wind generation. Uh, But that proved harder than you thought. Uh, And in the meantime, you were also looking at and being looked at by other industries and helping them proved maybe easier than you thought. Uh, Let's start with the hard part, uh, directly using renewable energy sources. What's the big problem there?
1: Using electrical processes, one of the advantages is that you can directly integrate with renewables um, and bypass transmission. So essentially hook up renewable energies directly into your process, which significantly lowers the energy costs attributed with renewables. That being said, with a chemical company, you do need to um, operate your facility 24 hours a day, seven days a week in order to be economically viable. But with renewables like solar or wind, those are not necessarily available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so the other aspect that you can work with is potentially looking at energy storage. The issue there, though, is that energy storage is so much more expensive than it is just to get regular electricity that's non-renewable, um, that it ends up not being viable for these companies and is one of the reasons why solar um, integrating solar energy directly into our process was something that we decided to leave for potentially later when
0: better technologies are invented. Uh, yeah, or we have a much more renewable grid itself. Uh, in the meantime, as I said, you were being looked at and, and looking at other industries, Um one of those companies from another industry was uh, the Heritage Group. Uh, what was their interest in synthetics?
1: The Heritage Group owns a couple different chemical companies. And essentially, what we realized on our end, so I'll give you a little bit of context there. Essentially, kind of like Netflix, our main goal and our main motivation mission has always been to make the chemical industry more sustainable. And looking at nylon was a really great way for us to realize how the technology that we had developed in house could be used not just for nylon, but for many other processes across the board. Um, And essentially have a much larger impact by enabling so many different companies to improve their processes um, or to develop better processes by using our tools. And so a main one there was the AI tool that enabled us to develop a better process in a fraction of the time than it would usually take. And so with the Heritage Group and, you know, they make a lot of specialty chemicals and that whole process of making specialty chemicals can take quite some time. Um And especially coming with new, innovative, more sustainable types of processes, like ones that use electrical processes, um, can be particularly time-consuming when you don't have the expertise in-house. And so the interest there was being able to use our technology to accelerate that timeline um, and potentially open up some new avenues and new processes that are more sustainable than what they currently have by leveraging our tool.
0: And I gather that A really potentially sweet spot for synthetics is the pharmaceutical sector, and uh, you've begun talking with companies that you can't name. Tell us what their interest is.
1: Yeah, so with the pharmaceutical industry, what's really helpful is that they are constantly looking for new types of molecules and new types of processes. And because the types of products that they make are such high value, um, but also low volume, it enables us to actually work with them at the very early stages of our product development. And so there's a lot to be said there for the pharmaceutical timeline. We've seen it with the COVID vaccine. We've seen it with you know, any kind of medication that's being developed. And so anything we can do to accelerate that timeline is highly valuable. So we really found a sweet spot there for an industry that is looking to develop better processes, but also has that time crunch aspect um, that really kind of
0: propels this kind of technology forward. Uh, And so I previously compared you to uh, Netflix in a way, but really a comparison might be better made to something like Amazon or Slack, In each case, Amazon Web Services and and the Slack communications tool were sort of in-house tools built for the company's own purposes. Uh, This AI tool was uh, built just to help you with the industry that you started with, uh, but that's now become your main project. How is it going?
1: Yeah, exactly. With the nylon process, we were looking at a very specific problem, which had its own set of implementation challenges. Whereas with this product, we have a much more open market and one that we can get to with a much lower barrier to implementation. Because of the simplicity of what it is, it's it's a modeling tool that enables you to understand your process very quickly. And because of the fact that it doesn't require any additional equipment or any additional work or training on the company side, it's something that we can get to companies a lot faster, um, but also has a much larger impact. And so it's been a really great pivot for us to actually get to that type of impact we're looking for in the chemical industry and bring that sustainable innovation to the chemical industry while being able to do so in the short term uh, rather than a longer term project.
0: Miriam, I haven't uh, disclosed yet the indirect connection between us, uh, I teach at NYU's engineering school, and Synthetics got its start in the classrooms of a professor of chemical and biological engineering at uh, NYU, uh, Miguel Modestino. Uh, you and your co-founder were students of his?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so he was a professor. I actually... Don't think I ever had him in class, but I did work in his research lab um, where I did my, my uh, thesis. And my co-founder was actually doing her PhD thesis in his lab as well. The connection
0: is even a bit deeper. I teach a journalism course that focuses on sustainability. And just about every semester, a student writes about synthetics. So one of them even interned there, uh, Sifat Bin Quadri, I like to think that my questions are always insightful, but this time around I had a lot of help. I, I went back and uh, looked at their articles. Miriam, it's a, it's a bit remarkable that you're already mentoring NYU students. You only graduated in 2018 yourself. You grew up in France, you speak four languages, and you are a valedictorian of your class. That academic success and even the startup itself might not have been possible without an NYU benefactor.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Essentially, you know, I, I grew up in France, came from a pretty low income household and came to NYU on a scholarship, but that scholarship didn't fully cover um, room and board and, and everything. And so one of the things that enabled me, so I actually had three jobs coming into to NYU my first two years just to keep up and be able to pay for some of those expenses. But what enabled me in, in the the last two years that I was in college, uh, to actually focus on something else than uh, side jobs and actually be able to write a thesis and do some extracurricular work and actually in the end start synthetics was a benefactor, uh, an alumni, his name is is Charlie Hinkady. And he just has been such a great mentor, such a great person that I've been able to go to and also has enabled me to actually spend some time on advancing kind of what I was interested in, in the chemical industry and, and sustainability. He actually ended up also investing in, in our company um, in synthetics, um, enabling us to further kind of our vision, both, you know, my vision in school, but our vision as a company as well.
0: And this was a pay it forward thing for Charlie, as I understand it. He, he himself may not, might not have graduated if he didn't get some help from an, an earlier uh, benefactor.
1: Yeah, um, I, I believe that's true. <laughs> uh,
0: there's a video on YouTube uh, all about that, and we'll link to it in the, in the transcript. Well, Miriam, I think it's a remarkable story. Uh, that's one that's still very much a work in progress, to switch metaphors. If we as a nation and as a planet are to meet our climate change goals and save the world, it's going to be in large part through this kind of work. Every industry, every company going through its processes, looking for ways to improve their carbon footprint. Thanks for starting Synthetics and being part of that, and thanks for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure. Um, I think what people don't realize is, you know, chemicals are at the heart of literally everything we use on a daily basis, all the products around you. So the more innovation we get there and the more we can reach our goals.
0: We've been speaking with Miriam Sveti, CEO of Synthetics, which is using machine learning to bring greener processes to manufacturing. Fixing the Future is sponsored by ComSol, makers of mathematical modeling software and a longtime supporter of IEEE Spectrum as a way to connect and communicate with engineers. Fixing the Future is brought to you by IEEE Spectrum, the member magazine of the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers, a professional organization dedicated to advancing technology for the benefit of humanity. This interview was recorded June 15th, 2021, using Zoom and Adobe Audition. Our theme music is by Chad Crouch. You can subscribe to Fixing the Future on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcasts, or listen on the Spectrum website, which also contains transcripts of this and all our past episodes. We welcome your feedback on the web or in social media. For IEEE Spectrum's Fixing the Future, I'm Stephen Sherry.